You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Okay, ready to do this, Molly? Sure. Where's my script? It's right in front of you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Ugh, why is this font so tiny? Who printed this? Um, you did. Ugh, does my microphone sound weird to you? No, I think... Hello? Hello? Bouncing baby buggy bumpers. Bouncy baby buggy bumpers. Molly, it sounds fine. Ugh, my headphones are so tight. They're crushing my skull. What's going on with you, Molly? Who designed these things? Like a medieval torture device. All I can hear is the sound of my head being smushed and my stomach growling. Ugh, so oh, terrible. I see what's going on I here. Molly, you're hangry. Hangry? You know, so hungry it makes you angry. Hangry. That's why your stomach is growling. Here, have some of this popcorn I keep in my backpack for pop emergencies. What's a pop emergency? This is a pop emergency. You're about to go full Incredible Hulk right here in the studio. Fine. I'll eat some of your popcorn. Mmm. You know, I do feel better. Thank you. Well, now we can get the show going. Another day saved by popcorn. Hey, Molly, stop hogging my stash. I want some, too. Sorry. Okay, we gotta put this popcorn aside. <clears throat> you are listening to... Oh, man, hold on. There's a kernel stuck in my teeth. Okay, whatever. You are listening to Brains On. I'm Molly Bloom, and my popcorn-packing partner is Caitlin from Yakima, Washington. Hey, girl. Hey. Today, snack attack. We're talking salty, savory, sometimes sweet mini-meals. Like pretzels. Or trail mix. Or pizza bagels. But not soup. Yeah, not soup. That's more of a meal or an appetizer. Definitely not a snack. So, Caitlin, you inspired today's episode when you asked us... What actually happens when I pop popcorn? This is something a few of you are curious about. I want to know why corn pops and turns into popcorn. How do the little kernels turn into those puffy white things that we refer to as popcorn? That's Simon from Boston and also Simon from Bothell, Washington. These are very good questions, and like popcorn, we didn't want to hog them all for ourselves. So we asked a friend to help out. Hey, it's me. I'm the friend. Hi, Flora. Hi. Hey, Molly. Hey, Caitlin. Flora Lichtman hosts a charming little podcast called Every Little Thing. Flora, how do you describe the show? Our podcast is a show where listeners call in with excellent questions like, how old is Winnie the Pooh? Did pirates really have hooks and peg legs? Um, what happens to your body in space? And then we track down experts to find an answer. I want to know all those answers. I must find them right now. <laughs> you can, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Perfect. So, Flora, let's chat snacks real quick. If you could have an infinite supply of one snack, what would it be? I, I'm going to go with an underdog. I think it would be corn nuts. Why corn nuts? Well, they're salty, they're crispy. I feel like they, they have a lot going for them. What about you, Caitlin? Is there a snack you would like an endless supply of? Well, maybe apples with caramel. Apples are delicious and healthy, and caramel adds extra tastiness. Very good choice. You guys both listed things that I feel like get stuck in my teeth. I think I need an endless supply of... I really like string cheese. I'm just... 
really love string cheese. Is there a snack that you guys think is overrated? Um, for me, probably Doritos and other chips like that because some people are just crazy about them. But I don't see what the big deal is. Yeah, it's really annoying how the powder gets all over your hands. And you feel like you need to, like, wash your hands when you're done eating them. Usually I lick them. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very good solution, too. So what is better, constant snacking or eating a full, satisfying meal? Well, probably a meal because it's more satisfying and you have a chance to be hungry beforehand. And it includes hamburgers. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to eat a hamburger as a snack, probably. I'm in the other camp. I would go constant snacking. I like to be eating 24-7. I would eat in my sleep if I could. (laughs) Well, these are very good answers. So, Flora, you have offered to help us answer Caitlin's popcorn question on your show. Yes, Caitlin, I love your question so much because it was about this everyday thing in my life that I had never thought to wonder about. So thank you for the excellent question. You're welcome. (laughs) To find an answer, we took Caitlin's question and then shared it with some scientists. Um, popcorn. Why is it so big and white and fluffy inside a tiny little kernel? It's a great question. Yeah, wonderful question. Thank you. (laughs) That's Alex and Emmanuel. They're going to help answer this question. We are physicists interested in uh, everyday life objects. So, Caitlin, what interests you about this? I don't know. Instead of being like a normal explosion that creates fire and smoke, it creates popcorn. I agree. It's it's very mysterious, and uh, this explosion is a bit magical. Caitlin, you're on to a real mystery. Cool. Unbelievably, humans didn't understand some of the fundamental mechanics of popcorn popping until Emmanuel and Alex looked into this a few years ago. I think part of it is is because we often assume that uh, familiar objects are well known, and we we usually are afraid to ask simple questions like why do popcorn pop? Okay, so why does it pop? First thing you need to know is that popcorn is a seed. The seed contains a fair amount of starch and some water. And that starch and water is like a snack pack for the baby plant. And it's also very important to why popcorn pops. So, Caitlin, I want you to imagine that you are a microscopic Caitlin and you're inside the kernel before it pops. Um, okay. What do you think it would look like all around you? Just like marshmallows everywhere. And there's water. Yeah. So what do you think happens to that water when you heat the kernel? It starts to boil and it turns into steam. Precisely. And that steam is trapped inside the kernel, but the steam takes up a lot more space than liquid water, so you can imagine what's happening. The steam wants to escape. This is what makes the explosion of popcorn, is that you, as you warm it up, you start to build pressure inside. So what happens when uh, you raise the pressure? It pops. Exactly. Yes. And it breaks. It bursts. And the starch is like, I'm free. That's completely scientifically accurate. When the shell of the popcorn is broken, all those cells can expand. The steam that had been trapped puffs out the starch as it blows out of the shell. The starch, it starts to look like a a sponge that you may have in, in the kitchen. 
And it turns all white and fluffy. Yes, and that fluffiness explains why popcorn jumps into the air when it pops. That's one of the discoveries that Alex and Emmanuel made in their study a few years ago. They filmed popcorn popping in super slow motion. Do you want to take a look at this video? Yeah, sure. Also, if you're following along at home, you can go to elt.show slash snackmiracle. Whoa. And you can see that just as the kernel splits, that starch, that free starch comes spilling out. Yeah. The starch will create legs. It's propelling the, the popcorn. So the popcorn launches itself with its starchy leg. When it pops, it pushes off the ground. Exactly. It's like a gymnast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Except you eat it. Yes. I can do a flip. Maybe I'll call it the popcorn move instead of a flip. I like that. Did we answer your question, Caitlin? Yeah. It's a whole new world of popcorn. But we're not at the bottom of the popcorn bucket yet. Oh, I cannot wait to hear the rest. But you guys, I think we should take a quick break. Are you up for a mystery sound? Yes. Yes. All right, ears ready. Here it is. All right. Um, it might kind of sounds like a dog eating, or maybe I kind of heard like a at the end there's kind of a shh shh shh. Maybe it's like a baby or something. It kind of sounds like a dog eating really fast. Someone eating really fast. A dog eating very fast. Maybe there's a baby in the mix. Flora, do you have any guesses? I think the dog eating was a good guess. That came to mind. I also wondered if it was a horse running, clomping down cobblestones. Both excellent guesses. Yeah, it's like a very constant, persistent sound. Well, we are going to answer it in just a bit. But for now, let's get back to popcorn. Where were we, Flora? So we had just answered Caitlin's question about how popcorn pops, but we had another listener with a different corn question. So we tackled that one, too. Take a listen. Hello? This is listener Ryan. He needed to know popcorn's origin story. I mean, I don't even know how you get popcorn. Is popcorn a big part of your life, Ryan? It's been a big part of my marriage. We've been married for uh, 15 years now. And when we first moved in together, we started making popcorn pretty much every single night. You've been eating popcorn every night for 15 years? We Most nights for 15 years. Okay, so your question is... Where did it come from? How did we discover it? I'm also curious about the history of it. Yeah, who gave us the gift of popcorn? To get to the bottom of that... We had to go to the premier repository of popcorn knowledge, a silo of popcorn history. Well, the Popcorn Museum was founded around 1982. It's housed in a circus tent. That's Gail Martin, director of the Wyandotte Popcorn Museum in Marion, Ohio. And there are challenges when you work at an institution dedicated to the preservation of popcorn knowledge. We have to be really careful. You know, you can't hardly eat popcorn and then handle a historic document. And Ryan, where there are historic popcorn documents, there's popcorn history. So how long do you think people have been eating popcorn? 
I'm going to go back at most like 100 years, maybe 80 to 90. Do you want to just think think about that any longer? I'm going to go with 400 years. 400 years. Why not? Is that better? Okay, yeah. Popcorn might be as old as 5,600 years. What? Popcorn appears to be a 5,000-year-old snack. How, how did they do was, How did <laughs> they figure that out? I'm going to tell you, but first you need to know some other corn facts. And I'm just going to go full-on nerd with you, okay? Okay, give it to me. Yeah, let's nerd out on popcorn. Okay, there are different types of corn. There's animal feed corn, corn for flour, sweet corn, and then there's popcorn corn. Oh, so it's only one type of corn. Correct. And then within popcorn, there are varieties with different kernel shapes. So there's mushroom, which is rounded and perfect for caramel corn. I just figured it was rounded off by the caramel. No, it was bread for caramel corn. There's also butterfly shape, which has a lot of surface area to soak up butter, and that is the kind you get at the movie theater. Yeah, that's my favorite. Okay, back to our 5,000-year-old popcorn. The earliest evidence of the popcorn-type corn was found in an archaeological site in New Mexico called Bat Cave. And to verify that it was indeed popcorn, the scientists really went the extra mile on this one. They took a few of the unpopped kernels and dropped them into hot oil to prove they could still pop. <laughs> Did it pop? Yes. That that just lets me know that I never need to worry about, are these popcorn seeds old? Okay, questions? Well, yeah. So the first question I had, you, you said bat cave. You didn't say human cave. How do we know the bats weren't jamming on the popcorn? Well, they discovered layers of trash garbage and all kinds of things. So they can tell that the cave was inhabited by humans. But they didn't find that they had popped it. Well, we don't know how they were popping them. Oh, Gail. But listen to this. In 4th century AD, they found a Zapotec funeral urn in Mexico, and it depicted a maize god with symbols that represented primitive popcorn in his headdress. Evidence that they had a popping mechanism. Oh, that's awesome. It's clear that this human popcorn love story goes way back in history. And if you want to hear more about popcorn, like how pilgrims ate it, hint, think cereal, or how it got banned from movie theaters, just head to elt.show or wherever you get your podcasts and look for every little thing in the episode called The Corn Identity. And we should warn parents, not all episodes of Every Little Thing are family friendly. So check them out before you give it a listen. Okay, before we say goodbye to our pal Flora, let's give that mystery sound one more try. Here it is. Okay, any new thoughts after hearing it again? Kind of sounds like a dog chewing on a bone. Or, and at the end, it kind of changes like the chewing kind of changes a little bit and there's kind of a few voices very good listening but i think i'll stick with dog eating or dog chewing on a bone excellent excellent guess flora do you have any new thoughts this time can i change my answer to caitlin's answer sure <laughs> absolutely she that's a good answer i don't blame you 
Well, here is the answer. I'm Avery, and I'm here with my brother, Mac. I'm nine years old, and I'm from Hollywood, California. And the sound you just heard was our pet Scotty dog, Ralphie, chewing on his favorite bird chew toy. It's not even a chew toy. It's my favorite stuffed animal, and you stole it. (laughs) So, excellent listening, you two. You were right. Correct. Amazing. Good work. Thanks, Caitlin letting me crib off of you. I don't mind. Don't mind sharing your excellent listening skills with the world. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for helping us out today, Flora. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Bye, Flora. Bye. Bye. Do you have a mystery sound for us? Or question? Or snack recipe? Send it on over. Head to brainson.org slash contact. Hey, Molly, do you like fun? Uh, obviously. Great, but what is fun if you had to describe it? That's a good question. Uh, Fun is kind of thing that you do that makes you feel happy and entertained. It's like the opposite of boring. It's a good time. Is that a good answer? I'm not sure. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts, listeners. How would you explain what fun is to a robot? Record an answer and send it to us for an upcoming episode we're working on. We'd also love to know how you'd explain what makes something gross. Caitlin, how would you describe what gross is? I don't know. Anything that makes you say, ew. That was a very succinct answer. Much better than my answer about fun. Well, tell us how you would describe fun or gross. Just record your answer and submit it to brainson.org slash contact. Thanks. You're tuned to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly. I'm Caitlin. Today, we're chomping away on the topic of snacks. Caitlin, when you snack, do you go for the salty or the sweet? Well, probably sweet. I love candy and baking desserts. And I had an an idea. I, I think this is a good idea for a debate. Sweet versus savory. That is a very good idea for a debate. And I feel like I would never be able to choose because I'm one of those people who likes to mix them together. So like, I feel like I need both taste sensations happening at the same time. Well, we recently got a question about salt and it's BFF Pepper. Hi, I'm Piper. I'm nine years old. I live in Thailand. And my question is, where does salt and pepper come from? We're going to answer that pepper question in our moment of um, but let's tackle the salt question now. Here to help us is producer Emily Bright. You can find salt all over the world, but that doesn't mean it looks the same. I learned that from Lori Crowell. I mean, it's very interesting all the different flavors each of the salts actually have. Lori Crowell owns a specialty grocery store in St. Paul that sells all kinds of salt. You see different sizes of grains and different saltiness, if that makes sense. Some are much more salty than others. Some are a lot more subtle in flavor. The answer to where salt comes from accounts for these differences. There are two ways to get salt. One is from salt water. You heat it until the water evaporates and salt is left behind. The other is you can mine it from underground. Canada and Pakistan have the world's largest salt mines, but you can find salt mines on every continent except Antarctica. Depending on where you get it, salt can even be different colors. Like Himalayan salt is huge caves of salt that over millions of years has formed that they just then kind of chunk it off into big pieces to harvest it. So that is a beautiful bright pink color. And then you have like a Hawaiian red salt that has some of the clay from the Hawaiian islands that makes it a pretty, almost a brownish color. Yeah, it's a pretty reddish brown, but it doesn't taste like clay. It tastes 
salty, right? It does taste salty. And it does have a little clay, though. That mineral content, that's another thing that's interesting with salts. Depending where it's harvested from or the water it's made from, you get different trace minerals. Minerals are naturally occurring compounds, the stuff you find all over our planet, like clay and copper and iron ore, stuff that makes up rocks. Salt itself is a mineral. And this fascinating substance is used to make so much more than snack food. Salt is put on roads in winter to help melt ice. It's used to help make paper and soap. But before all that, salt solved a major problem facing humanity. The problem of... Dum-dum-dum! Rotten food. You see, long ago, before there were refrigerators and freezers, it was really hard to keep food from going bad, especially in hot weather. What a hot day. Can't wait to eat all that meat I've been saving for. Oh man. Shoe flies. This looks and smells disgusting. No way I'm eating this now. I mean, I could, but no. Bad idea. Have you tried salt? Salt? Yeah, salt. It's all natural, fat-free, and you can use it to preserve meat and vegetables so they don't spoil. Really? This sounds awesome! Don't take my word for it. Here, rub this salt into that fresh fish. Presto salto, bacteria and fungi can't grow. Your food stays fresh, thanks to salt. And it's tastier, too. Wow, thanks, salt! Salt revolutionized life. Food lasted longer. You could pack it to go. Because of salt's food-preserving abilities, countries with access to salt mines or salt water often had a lot of power. Ancient civilizations like Chinese, Romans, and Ethiopians used trade routes called salt roads specifically for transporting salts to different places. The Empire of Ghana and the Empire of Mali in the Middle Ages had salt mines, and they shipped that salt across the desert using camel trains. Watch out! Camels spit! This made them very rich. The camels? Nah, we don't pay them. No, I mean the empires. Battles were fought over this stuff, even here in America. Union troops won a battle near Saltville, Virginia in 1864. They destroyed the salt works. This cut off some of the salt supply to the Confederacy, which they used to keep their food from going rotten. Not only did this mess with their food supply, but it hurt morale. Salt didn't just change how we eat. It changed how we talk, too. Salt is sprinkled all over our vocabulary, especially when you start with the Latin word for salt, salus. Let's say sal for short. That gave us words like salad, which means salty vegetables, and salami, which means salted meats, and salsa, salty sauce. Even the word salary, which is your pay for the work that you did, points at how valuable salt was. One of my all-time favorite salty snacks has to be nachos. When I make them, I like to add beans, um, sometimes some like ground beef potentially, also like little peppers, black olives, some scallions, tomatoes. Caitlin, what do you like to put on your nachos? Cheese. <laughs> oh, cheese. I forgot cheese. The most important part. Well, nachos seem like an obvious snack, but nobody had ever thought to make them until... 75 years ago in Piedras Negras, Mexico. In 1943, you could easily find your way to this small Texas border town. 
That's where a group of women found themselves for a fun day of shopping. So fun, it seems, that they forgot to eat. I'm starving, you guys. Oh, I just hope they have something. I mean, a little something to get me by. I'm just getting hangry. And by the time they went looking for food, all the restaurants were closed. All but the Victory Club, where Ignacio Anaya was just about to head home. Bienvenidos. Welcome to the Victory Club. I must apologize, but we're about to close up for the evening. Oh, but we're so hungry. Yes, please. I'm not picky. Is there anything left in the kitchen? Ignacio, or Nacho as everybody called him, took pity on these weary travelers and being a nice guy. Okay, have a seat and hang tight. Let me see what I can find in the kitchen. Let's see, I've got some corn tortillas and, oh, queso, everybody loves cheese. And for flavor, oh, a jalapeno, of course. Not too spicy, though. Nacho cut up the corn tortillas and fried them in some oil to make corn chips. He topped that with queso and added the jalapenos and heated it all up. Oh, looks good to me. When he brought the dish out to the hungry shoppers, they loved it. Oh, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. I'm definitely going to order this again. Hmm, what do you call it? Nacho thought for a second and then... Nachos especiales. Oh, divine! To commemorate this momentous event in snacking history, we have a song from our friends Andrew and Polly and Lucky Diaz. Check it out! history about the first time man covered chips with cheese i will tell you my friends if you say please well as the legend goes there was a man named ignacio but to his friends he was known as nacho and he had nacho cheese there were some ladies down near Mexico Went to the restaurant But they found it closed And they said Please help us, Nacho He said I cannot make you no casserole Won't give you hot dogs No, no, no what I can do is create something special. And he made nacho cheese. It's nacho nacho cheese. Nacho cheese. Nacho cheese. I will make you something very nicey. It will be hot, but not too spicy. Fried tortillas, queso, and one pickled jalapeno. Slicey. He served it up and their eyes grew wide. They started drooling and they realized they were the first people of all humankind to experience 
That was Lucky Diaz along with Andrew and Polly singing their song about the origin of nachos. Andrew and Polly also host the podcast Ear Snacks. Seems appropriate. You can find episodes and more music on andrewandpolly.com. Popcorn pops when the water in a kernel heats up, turns to steam, and bursts the corn shell. The steam puffs out starch in the kernel, making it pop out all white and fluffy. Humans have been popping popcorn for thousands of years. And they've been using salt to preserve their food for a long time, too. And nachos started as a quick way to feed hungry shoppers. That's our show. Brains On is produced by Sandin Tata and Molly Bloom and Mark Sanchez. We had production help from Lauren D., Emily Allen, and Emily Bright, engineering help from Johnny Vince Evans, Aaron Bruton, and Veronica Rodriguez, and many thanks to Chelsea Leslie, Meg Martin, Nancy Yang, Regina McComb, Stephanie Curtis, and Laurie Hammermeister. We're supported by the National Science Foundation and by you. If you want to be part of our elite crew, sign up for our newsletter at brainson.org. It's got recipes, DIY experiments, book suggestions, and more. It's a boredom-busting powerhouse, and it's free. Again, find it at brainson.org. Now, time to answer that question about where pepper comes from. It's our moment of um. Hi, my name is Dr. Jenna Schultz. I am a historian and I teach at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. Pepper is only found in tropical areas. It's actually grown on a plant. The pepper is the fruit that's grown on a vine. And those fruits are then harvested, boiled in water, and then dried to become the black peppercorn. Scientists today are starting to explore if there are any medicinal benefits, including for digestive problems. The biggest use of pepper, of course, is to flavor our food, and it's used in many recipes around the world. It already appeared to be in use by the ancient Chinese, Greeks, and Romans. This means that there were early trade routes already connecting these far-flung civilizations to ancient India. We even have cookbooks from the ancient Romans that have recipes that include pepper. Since it was so hard to get pepper, merchants had to haul it long distances, and it was very expensive for people living in these ancient civilizations to purchase it. It was a luxury item for the wealthy. So much so that even in the Middle Ages in Europe, a pound of pepper was equal to several days' pay for an average worker. People traded in pepper like they did gold and silver. As European shipping technologies improved, kingdoms set sail to find new routes to gain easier access to pepper and other spices starting in the late 1400s. The Portuguese, Dutch, and English all at one time or another fought for control of these spice routes. With more and more pepper available thanks to this trade, the cost slowly went down, making it more accessible to everyone. Just like Pepper, the Brain's Honor Roll is accessible to all. It's how we thank all the listeners who send in their questions, mystery sounds, and drawings by going to brainson.org contact.
Here's the latest group of brainiacs to be added to the honor roll. Irish from Buffalo, New York, Ananya from Knoxville, Tennessee, Shalev and Navit from Scarsdale, New York, Zeke from Peoria, Illinois, Joaquin from Austin, Texas, Gus from Hotchkiss, Colorado, Arden and Sylvan from Fairport, New York, EGY from Harriman, Utah, Sadie, Matilda and Hannah from Seattle, Aslan from Calgary, Anthony and Julia from Tampa, Florida, Izzy from Boulder, Colorado, Levi from St. Joseph Island, Ontario, Ella and May from Salem, Massachusetts, Bella from Venice, California, Amber from Oxford, England, Josie from Columbus, Ohio, Sarah from Hogansville, Georgia, West from Los Angeles, Lily from Woburn, Massachusetts, Patty from Newcastle, Australia, Noah and Anna from Corpus Christi, Texas, Reed and Ada from San Mateo, California, Linus from Ann Arbor, Michigan, Michael, Ellen, Catherine and Cora from Bay Village, Ohio, Miriam from Columbus, Ohio, Isabella from Falls Church, Virginia, Isaac and Imogen from London, Salil from Golden, British Columbia, Catriona from Northfield, Minnesota, Shell from Dixon, New Mexico, Shlomo from Herzliya, Israel, Jacob from Massachusetts, Anish from Morrisville, North Carolina, Leif from Tasmania, Australia, Nina from San Antonio, Texas, Milena from Levico Terme, Italy, Angela from Central New Jersey, Priya from Minneapolis, Anders and Jude from Huntersville, North Carolina, Julia from Westport, Massachusetts, Eleanor from Charleston, South Carolina, Emmeline from Charlotte, North Carolina, Eli from Memphis, Tennessee, Thomas from Thunder Bay, Ontario, Maggie and Eli from Conway, Arkansas, and Braylon from Austin, Texas. We'll be back soon with more sciencey goodness. Keep listening and pass that popcorn, Molly. Sorry, I keep shoving it in my mouth. I can't stop. It's so good. I know. Popcorn's the best.